0: So we want to talk a little bit in this last session about the transition back to your non-retreat life and uh, yeah continuing to reflect on this theme of refuge in the modern world. So we've had the blessing of uh, conditions here that are very conducive to our practice, to being present, to cultivating mindfulness to the collectedness of mind and heart. And likely as you go back to your regular life, perhaps even as you step into your uh, vehicle, the conditions will change. So oftentimes the first thing that starts to um, happen, it already may be happening, is that it seems like thoughts are faster and more plentiful and more solid. Um, and then it may seem like your precious samadhi is leaking out like the bath water.
1: Notice if there's a clinging to that
0: and uh, feel the suffering of that. And recognize if you can that uh, conditions have changed, so it still is possible to practice uh, even if the sense of uh, crystalline clarity is less or if the sense of samadhi is less Or for some, maybe as you go back to your regular life, things will seem more peaceful. Maybe the mind was more stirred up, apparently here. So just recognizing, yeah, conditions change, but can continue to gently be present with all of that. Among the aspects of uh, the conditions of being in the retreat center that is very conducive, I think, to our, um, our practice here, our work, is that we were among people who were practicing intentionality around the training precepts. And it's something we can take for granted during the time uh, that we're here sometimes, but I just want to highlight again the power of those commitments to non-harming. And the power of the commitments to uh, respecting each other's physical bodies and uh, not taking things and why speech really creates a container of safety for uh, humans and animals that is beneficial for us. So in the broader world, um, you will immediately start to notice that everyone is not uh, perhaps on the same page with that. But uh, there's power in our own commitment to integrity. You know, we have the strength and the power to take those intentions even if we mess up over and over again and, and recognize what a gift that is for ourselves and for others uh, if we can commit to uh, living in non-harming and living with integrity. In this field of relative safety and calm then, Oftentimes, people become much more sensitive than they might be aware of. So it could be more emotionally sensitive, like you might find that you will cry more easily or be touched more easily by things. And in case you worry, like, oh no, have I been rewired in some way that will make me not functional in my job or uh, in the city or something like that, uh, just be with it as it is, and you know honor that sensitivity that's there, and probably it will shift and change also as you return to the busyness of your life. But you can consider it a blessing if for a moment when you hand a toll to the toll taker, you're touched by your connection or uh, you get a sandwich and you feel the blessing of the generosity all the elements of earth that are coming together. But if you find yourself back in your regular life and um, seeming more emotional or sensitive than usual, that's normal. And for those of you who are uh, first time on retreat, it can be good to take it gently as you go back. So uh, consider, if you can, having a little space in your life from extremely noisy circumstances or uh, extremely loud, busy ones or uh, or if you do go in kind of try to titrate yourself a little bit give yourself some um, moments of silence in between or space alone if nothing else if you have to dive right back into work or family occasions or something There's always the sacred chamber of the bathroom. (laughs) People will usually accord you at least a few minutes of solitude (laughs) in there whatever it is that you are up to (laughs) before they come knocking and demanding things. Take refuge there. (laughs) And then continuing your um, path, continuing your commitment... um, of course both to the formal practice um, but also to engaging on this path and as I mentioned in one of the settings it's a, a really an eightfold path you know, it's a path that has many different dimensions this tuning into our speech and actions and when you go back to the regular world you have a lot of opportunity to attend to speech and the impact that we have uh, as we talk to each other we can pay attention to how we cultivate uh, these beautiful qualities of generosity, of kindness, of compassion, and even uh, intentionally engaging in uh, acts of service and uh, looking for ways to help each other out, our fellow humans. you can consider ways that you can build in practice in your regular life and for me I find it inspiring the practice of uh, those who are uh, devout Muslims who pray five times a day who uh, orient towards Mecca and then roll out a prayer mat and then get down on their knees and pray so what would that look like if five times a day you remembered what was most important to you if you recalibrated, reoriented if you took refuge in that which is true so you can find some uh, moments in your day and they can be particular to your situation where you can build in some small or large practice of remembering so there could be a place that you walk habitually to the tube, or in a hallway, or to your car. And you can decide on that pathway, it's going to be your walking path. Not in a slow, uh, lifting, moving, placing way necessarily, although you could do that at home, or in your garden. Uh, But just during that pathway, I'm going to be present in the body. So a commitment to remembering the body connecting to the body and being with the body in motion. It could be that there's a mealtime or tea break in which you decide to mindfully drink the tea or uh, eat the first few bites of your snack with as much presence as possible. You could decide to practice uh, metta, goodwill, few people when you're stuck in traffic or when you're riding the bus to all the fellow inhabitants around you. And look for opportunities when your mind could be employed in some beneficial way when otherwise it's uh, swinging from branch to branch uh, up to all sorts of different things. And you could even remember at the end of the day when you lie down, all the people you've encountered, and uh, hold them in your heart are wishing them well. <coughs> a standing practice also, we've done together as a group, but uh, if you have an elevator in your building, for example, when you push the button for the elevator to come, ding, it's like the beginning. Just be present in the body standing, ride the elevator, and then when you get out, ding! Step out. So if you consider the habits and patterns of your life and build in some ways to remember, a daily sitting practice is of course very helpful, but beyond that, uh, some punctuations to help uh, remind us. uh, Moments when you can take refuge again can be very helpful. So some aspects of the modern world also in terms of uh, consumption of uh, media or use of electronics it also helps to tune into that and check out what's the impact of the way in which I'm engaging in this field <coughs> so is there a way in which I can play with this a little bit uh, consider how often or how much I want to be with the uh, News or check my email or phone? And what's the impact on my sense of uh, presence with those around me, uh, connection? What are ways I can make this a tool for understanding, development of wisdom, and mindfulness, and not have to be uh, its servant as it buzzes and dings away? So I'll pause there and beg uh, Catherine also to share some thoughts.
1: it's a beautiful day sun is shining first thing I want to say is um, however it went this morning with the being with each other at breakfast whether you feel hungover or you ran to the other side of Ogwell (laughs) um, or you loved it and again. Let all that just be known as it is. Um, One teacher says that awakening is to be without anxiety about imperfection. So we're not practicing to be perfect. We're practicing for refuge, to take our place more fully as human beings. is a blessed relief. Then we can meet each other there when we have agreed that we don't have to be perfect but we're working our best with ethics and goodwill as best we can. You know, sometimes I would hear these closing talks at the end and they would often be about how do I integrate my practice into my daily life. And One of my colleagues that I was teaching with recently, he said, well if your daily life was so enlightened you wouldn't be here in the first place so how about <laughs> you have to integrate your daily life into your practice <laughs> he's not insulting us particularly but more rather than trying to squeeze this new thing I'm doing or this practice into the structures I have sometimes things have to change a little bit If to actually stand behind what we value and what we want to cultivate Dharma practice doesn't always shout the loudest to us um, it's it, it's, it's not the thing of the highest, reddest writing on the advert very often, until it is. So we need containers and protection in a sense, practices, refuges, places, agreements, intentions to help us. Um, so many kinds of protection and container, including the formal practice, including go and sit with other people, I know, out of my students, maybe two percent of them have enough kind of discipline <laughs> to have a daily practice and not need other people ever. Not not that need other people ever, but for the sitting part of their practice, it's amazing. I don't have that kind of inbuilt, not inbuilt or even cultivated thing. This lifetime, it's like I need to remember and reference and go places, and then I can gain my. routine. So sitting groups, um, many, many resources that you know, many of you know, and that you can look into. We're living in an age where so much has come together, so much has come together, um, that we can access. Sometimes that can feel confusing. It's like, which bit do I go towards? Um, we want to be discerning with that. But really, if you want to deepen practice, whatever that looks like, whether it's sitting practice, practice of ethics, practice of service, practice of cultivation, cultivating qualities, then find a the ways to do that. It won't just happen by osmosis. We have to be intentional. Actually, we need to be intentional to go against the stream of momentum, which... Uh, isn't always a favourable momentum. There's a lot of forces in us and each other that will try and go for the sort of either the common denominator that's the most comfortable or most familiar. And while some of them are fine, and really fine, some of them are not. And actually, if our aspiration is to know more of the more than meanness, the more than my narrowly conceived sense. So far, whatever we would call that desire to go beyond, then we need sort of the temple classically is for somewhere to enshrine that intention that doesn't call the loudest. So we are the translators, we not just me and Anushka, we we are the translators of that intention into our lives to find the places to enshrine. It doesn't mean we ignore the other people we love, but we also want to find people where they don't have to be Buddhists or even sit cross-legged, but where we recognize that shared wish to grow up, that shared wish to wake up, whatever language they might call it in, but something that shares that spark and recognition. And we want to know those folks to affirm that in each other, as we have been doing here. It's not making them or us more special, not at all. We all are, in our deepest nature, beautiful, noble, luminous creatures, but it's easy to forget. So whatever helps remind us that we can handle dukkha, that we can be supported, that we can go beyond, we can work with the weeds and we can see through the weeds for our benefit and for the benefit of the other and this world. Another protection is knowing when we need help. Actually, some things we can do on our cushion and sometimes we need to ask for expert help with things, whether that's support with addictions or particular crises or health issues or mental health issues particular circumstances we're in that humility of the human condition to know when to ask for help but also to know when we are also the noble friend noble friendship one of the uh, what the Buddha speaks about I'll give you some of his criteria I like them very much Um, what is a noble friend Kalyanamita is what it's called in the tradition. A noble friend is people who inspire you with respect. People who inspire you with respect. Who instill love in you. People who are capable of listening and capable of giving advice. But as my colleague said, notice the order. Right. People who inspire you with respect, inspire you with love are capable of listening, capable of offering advice. It doesn't start there. Uh, by the way, so this is a good one for going home. All those insights you've had about your loved ones that you think would really help them out they understood about themselves. <laughs> Don't tell them tonight. <laughs> Wait till they gaze upon you with eyes of respect and uh, refuge. And then they say, Please, humbly tell me any of my blind spots. <laughs> and you say, Are hey, you sure you want to <laughs> People are willing to go into deep waters, both the deep waters of the weeds and the deep waters of not the weeds people who look out for you, that you don't waste or squander your resources of this life, your energy, your aspiration, your money, that there's a caring, protective attitude, that your life isn't just about getting comfortable or achieving even the things that you think you're supposed to achieve, but something that leads onward towards more wisdom and compassion. As one poet says, if we're thinking there, sitting there thinking, who's going to be my noble friends? I need some. Where will I find them? Then consider to whom you can be a noble friend. And <coughs> the poet says, if drinking is bitter to you, turn yourself into wine. If drinking is bitter to you, turn yourself into wine. So friendship isn't just partisanship or agreement with our views. Consider, as we go home, how we can do justice to what we have understood be perfectly able to um, live that. But if we forget what is Those understandings, but the feeling is impermanent. We can't rely on feeling to get us to the cushion, feeling to get us into action. But we can know what that translates as, as a learning, as an understanding. And even if I don't feel generous, I can still act according to that because when I've practiced in that way, I know it leads onward for me and for others. I know that if I practice um, lying on the earth, for example, it's not something I did growing up. I grew up in the city and um, wasn't my thing. But I know now if I take time to lay and put my body down, whether it's outside or I dream into it, through the second floor, I know... That even though I might not feel like that, everything in my anti-gravitational pull is pulling up into my head, saying, no. mm-hmm. "What's next? Are we going to sort this out?" That something in me rests there because I know, even if I don't feel like it. So, not making feeling the arbiter of our intention, That intention we can rely on. We can come back to. And the Buddhists, um, the Buddha recommended that we consider wise intention. Not that we have to become perfectly wise, but he said steer yourself as much as you can to that compass pointing towards tension. Intention for generosity, for um, um, classically worded as the, the intention towards letting go. But if you think about it, how better to practice letting go than to be generous? a really nice way of thinking about it, I heard from a colleague, an American teacher. It's like, yeah, you can't always know how to let go, can you? Sometimes you have could let go, let go. But we can actively be generous, for example. And it's part of the same movement, the other side of the door, if you like. The intention toward letting go, the intention toward non-hatred, and the intention toward non-cruelty. Put in the affirmative. Non-hatred is the intention to kindness. Non-cruelty, the intention to compassion. Steer myself. Remember those. I line myself up on a good day coming off retreat when the, the brambles are a little clearer, the mind is a bit closer to myself. And I might have my own personal little versions of how I might say those things to myself, but I line up. And I veer off, and then I can come back, I know what my intention is. I can't always come back to feeling, that will change. But I can come back to my deepest intention, that my mind can remind me of, even when I say, like, oh no, I don't want to be generous today. I have a practice, When I go, to, I go to Wales twice a year and there's a toll, £6.40 or something, to pay for your car across the bridge to Wales. And I have a practice that I took on about 15 years ago that I would pay for the guy person behind me just as one of those random pizza type of things, and um, not that the guy behind me actually might have a posher car than me. So it's it's like regardless, I'll just just do it anyhow. And sometimes I get to that point like, oh, but I've done it 15 years. Like, but I have an agreement with myself. Well, like, yes, I have like a BMW. <laughs> No, no, just follow through. It's a good intention, it's harmless, it mostly leads onward, and it It kind of breaks me out of that little, like, (laughs) kind of that. that. And I I really recommend it. You know, many of you probably have other such things, but I don't wait for the feeling. Because if I waited for the feeling, I might be waiting a while. (laughs) It's coming, it's coming, it comes in time also. It comes in time. Somebody asked about um, continuing in terms of studying and practicing in certain kinds of ways. Um, I can offer a few thoughts and suggestions and other people in this room might be willing also to say a few things when you gather later in the, in the library. But in this loose-knit Sister centers of the lay insight meditation tradition, of which in part some centers in the states here in Beattberg, um Israel, not centers but you know groups of people who are kind of practicing in the same way, other places, uh, towns and cities, and mostly in mostly mostly in Europe and America, but not exclusively. Um, look up the resources they don't they're not all centralized in one place some of them used to be in inquiring mind why aren't inquiring mind
0: because two has passed away it has all passed time. away it was a great magazine it's passed away but there's i mean in the u.s there's something called bin buddhist insight maybe? i don't know if that also has british they, stuff on they've, it they've um, linked it up a little okay. bit but there's yeah. a,
1: we'll, should
0: we should put up a few little websites to look out on the list
1: here, I'll put some up. Here in the UK, um, in this lineage, you can come practice here. There are sitting groups dotted around the country, and Israel, if there um, Europe, if there isn't one in your place, make on happen. Even if it's only one other person who sits on the floor with you or in a chair, um, listen to a Dharma talk together. People really make things happen. You know, little groups have come together and they decide to listen to a whole retreat. Um, that's available on Dharma Seed that you can listen to, practice together, study together, be creative. We are the translators of this tra- tradition into the West. Um, there's a study course that Catherine is on. Is that okay I? You, I haven't asked you, but I know you, so I'm going to ask you now. Would you be willing if anyone wanted to ask about... Catherine, you want to raise your hand? Is participant in the Sea... C- PP, the Committed Practitioners Programme of Study, Um, it's a two-year committed program that if you're interested, should tell you about. With some of the teachers from CIA. And ask each other when you can mail a bit later or what's available. There's a lot. I'll put up a few websites. Um, In fact, I'll put up a sheet of paper on the big notice board of things you can just start. Checking out if you're newer. If you're more experienced, put up other ones for the people here. There, right? Noon has a centre in South France that they're, um, they're part of running, and um, beautiful place in nature. I've seen the pictures. Never been yet, but, um, there's a lot here in this room. Put it all up on that. Socially, politically engaging as well. Many feel called to in this era, or in all eras, humans are wanting to rise up. And now we can see many reasons to, uh, in terms of social justice, in terms of this crisis of this planet that we are part of. And um, I'll put up two sites for that one, out of the UK... Um, Dance, the Dharma Action Network for climate engagement, and One Earth Sangha, uh, Washington D.C. They have trainings and support for practitioners such as us to really look into um, how to come from depth with our action. So, yes, I was going to say it's exciting. You know, this prospect, this era, can feel like a tricky one for many of us, but it's a place of a lot coming together, a lot of crossroads coming together, kind of culturally, spiritual, tradition wise. Um, As one of my colleagues says, let's not pretend we're poor in this. We are inheritors of lost riches, many of us, and to really let that be um, digested and known for your benefit and for the benefit of the many. The more we get here and unfold our piece of paper, the more others can unfold their piece of paper, Remember the piece of paper. <laughs> and the more we can see each other and these connections across Time, across culture, across tradition can light up. And our worldwide mess can, depending on the the mind that's using it, our worldwide web can be of great service. The ethereal web. Yes, we live, of course, but our practice isn't other than that. What else will you do with this lifetime, apart from wake up? you got a better idea.
0: And that's now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.